0: Welcome back to the Perpetual Outsider Commentary for Black Orchid Part 2. I'm John Bensalia. Thank you for joining me. Just a quick reminder that uh, the uh, the podcast is free, but if you would like to buy me a coffee, then I am on buymeacoffee.com forward slash John Bensalia. Any coffees will be gratefully received, especially as my voice is about to give way. Anyway, enough, enough of this nonsense. Without further ado, let's crack on with Part 2 of Black Orchid, counting down five. Four, three, two, one, go, yeah, a bit longer that time, so black Orchid, the story so far, Dr Nissa, Adric, and Tegan have arrived in nineteen twenty five Being mistaken for uh, for professional cricket players, a professional cricket player and his chums. They've been invited to play cricket and attend a fancy masquerade ball. Um, there's somebody on the loose impersonating the Doctor in his Harlequin costume, he's just killed a butler, he's killed another butler, and he could be about to kill Anne, or Nyssa, of course Anne is the spit of Nyssa what are the chances, oh it's great fun again great fun! as Justin Fletcher would say yeah you can really, really do some cough mixture, mate. Really could. So of course, this is this is the reprise of uh, the end of part one. She's a bit Penelope Pitstop there, pale, pale. I mean, it, it really is. I suppose it is the hooded claw, really, isn't it, old, uh, old Cranley there. Oh, i have just given the game away. Never mind. I, I, I don't really think anybody's really going to be that concerned about spoilers. Are you really concerned about spoilers for Black Orchid? I mean, really? So, of course, he, he doesn't do anything. So, back to Peter Davison mooching around in the corridor, which he did for the vast majority of Part 1, which is a pretty factless role, really. What's <laughs> <It> was a- <laughs> bit of a clumsy shot that you know they, they just suddenly turn around you know they didn't get any inkling that the doctor was coming through the doorway and uh lady cranley and um i don't know what his name is it no i don't know the tony is is that his name i don't know the guy with the guy the guy with the lip anyway i've uh, they just suddenly clumsily turned around a bit, bit of an awkward shot there from ron jones yeah, I think I'd be inclined to say that his location work is better than the studio, which is a little bit, a little bit flat and a little bit awkward in places. Distracted by Lady Cranley's wig. I mean, it looks like she's been in fight with a cuddly toy sheep and lost. In a field. <clears throat> yeah, never mind. Just leave. Just leave the dead butler in the cupboard. You know what the hell. <laughs> don't get. Don't get the uh, for, the local doctors and come out and take him away or anything. You know. And we'll just keep him there as a, you know as an amusement for, for visitors. Come and see the dead butler while on your stay. It's all, the, you know, the scripting for this is is just a little under par. I mean, it's, there's just various things which just don't really make sense and they just come across as very kind of real and a, and a bit wooden, worst of all. it's There's not really kind of much conviction in it. You know, even if you've got, you know, kind of a, a flabby concept or, you know, um, you know, a, a less than strong script, if you've got, you know, convincing dialogue, to bring it to life, and that makes part of the difference. And I think even the actors are kind of aware of it, aware of this fact, you know, because their their hearts don't really seem to be in it and kind of bringing it to life with a great deal of conviction. Obviously, they're doing the best they can, but you know, it's it's a challenge and a half to actually kind of make this kind of dialogue actually seem half convincing. Oh, there he is! As our first glimpse of George. Even the makeup's a little bit clumsy for that. (laughs) Doctor now in his Harlequin outfit. So, even that, I mean, why do they they just wander up to the door? Oh, God, we're about to get some rather OTT cattle walling from Sarah Sutton as Anne. Let her out, then, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, she does her best. I think you know. Actually, when I when I wrote the original Shadow with you's many moons ago, I, th- I think I I, I got to admit I was I was a bit unfair to Nissa and uh, to Sarah Sutton. I think nowadays I actually think she's the best of the three. I, th- I think, you know, you can't always have a, a loud obnoxious noxious companion all the time or somebody who's trying to steal or hog the limelight. I think sometimes you need, you know, a bit of balance. Somebody can just kind of work alongside the doctor in their own quiet way. And unfortunately, you know, I kind of mistook that for bland and would frequently write about that in the reviews. So um, yeah, apologies, I, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the many times in which I will freely admit that I was wrong, because I, I I think she's a you know she's a good little actress I think actually, and she's you know she's a nice contrast with the Doctor I think she actually, you know she actually actually contrast is the wrong word I think balance I think you know she balances out Fifth Doctor well and I think it's a shame they they didn't get more screen time together more adventures together because I think that that actually works well better than the Do- Fifth Doctor and Tegan. I think actually Tegan would have worked better with the Sixth Doctor, like we saw with the uh, the fix with the skit. I actually think she uh, she would have worked better with that. I don't think you know she would have stood up to the Sixth Doctor a lot more than poor old Perry did. Right, party's over. Dead Butler. I like the way in which um, Maury Watson's character only just takes his wig off. Now you know he's sort of. Looking at the looking at the dead body, still with a judge's wig on. <laughs> I mean, none of this would stand up in court, you know. Anybody could have got that mask on, and of course they did. I mean, it's it's not really a very cleverly constructed murder mystery, is it? And of course, Lady Cranley's about to land the are in the proverbial, in the soup without the ladle, as Benton would say. Well, this is what you get when you invite complete strangers into your home without even checking their credentials first. (laughs) And a big problem with this is that the Fifth Doctor doesn't really kind of try very hard to actually justify his innocence or, you know, prove that he's innocent. It's all very kind of half-hearted, which, yeah, may, maybe it's a contrast with the more kind of dominant, confident figure of the Fourth Doctor. And the Fifth Doctor is meant to be a more kind of vulnerable, uh, laid-back character, more easygoing. But you would have thought he could at least have a little bit of grit and actually try and. You know, just try and justify himself, you know, prove his innocence, which he, which he doesn't really do. You know, it's not very really well to sort of say, Lady Cradley, please get me out of hot water, but she just... And he just sighs there, it's like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> and I think it's a shame, you know, I, You know, it's, it's not fair on Peter Davison, who's just so so much better than that, really. You know, and and despite you know the fifth doctor, you know effectively being a bit of a wimp in the sequence, you know Peter Davison is always doing brilliant work. You know he's, you know he's he's work. You know he's working his hardest to actually make the fifth doctor actually convincing. John Smith, you say John Smith. I mean, it's it's a common theme of the Fifth Doctor that you know he always he has trouble kind of convincing people of his you know who he is and and he's, you know he's kind of alien because he's regenerated into you know this younger, um, more easygoing incarnation. So he he doesn't really kind of have that authority anymore. And it's it's a common reoccurrence which will you know carry on right until the Swan Song, plays army when he you know he just. Cannot get through to anybody because they're all, you know, complete, you know, backstabbers and cheats and liars. And... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I reckon that was Peter Davison. Probably he, that was probably his opinion on reading the script. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> do they actually clear away their dead bodies? I mean, do they do they just like leave them around or what? I mean, they could—they could actually make a killing out. I mean, if you pardon the expression, they could actually make a killing out of you know those like murder mystery weekends, which they have. You know, you get those kind of um, real life package holidays when you go away for a weekend, or whatever, in a, in a country house, and um, you have those murder mystery weekends. They—they—you they, know—they probably—they um, probably cornered the market already in 1925. They're the pioneers of murder mystery weekends. The Cranleys are. Oh, it's obviously somebody's cleared away Digby. Either that, or he's turning to adult. I don't know. Yeah, poor old, poor old Barbara mully mully Murray. God, I can't, I can't say. I didn't put my false teeth into that. Barbara Murray and Maury Watson. Uh. Obviously, having trouble with this dialogue. They, they, they really are. It's, it's just very stilted. <laughs> it's such a clumsy lie. Where the nuts come from? I mean, it's just. Oh God. I think obviously Eric saywood was probably giving this minimal attention. While working on Earth Shock, you know, it's probably, uh, all right. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give this about, you know, half an hour of my lunch break. You know, Ch-ch-ch-ch. scribble a bit there, scribble a bit here. No, past that. You know, because it's, you know, the, 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 the lines in this, the dialogue is, is pretty corny. Dieter, um, uh, no, the Tony. What do I call him? Dita? I, I, I don't know. I have no brain today, it's official. the Tony could really have been paying more attention rather than reading his book the fact that George is actually untying his bonds. So this is a random character um, who just turns up late in the day. Ivor who I think was in The Myth Makers. <sighs> Maybe a bit of a myth date to actually uh, accept the part because he doesn't really get much to them. Yeah, I mean, the the Doctor's just saying, yeah, I'll be arrested. Yeah, whatever. I mean, one minute you're saving the universe from the Master, the next you're being arrested by Mr. Plot from the Noddy Books. I mean, not exactly high on dignity. But then when you're dressed up like that, dignity does not enter the equation, does it? Yeah, great hosting skills there, Lady Crowley. Those old cars. How on earth anybody can actually drive? I mean, I, I I still can't drive. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a useless man-child. I still can't drive. So I'm in awe of A, anybody that can drive, and B, anybody that can drive one of those old, old-fashioned contraptions, because it certainly requires a lot more skill and work to actually... <laughs> get these along the road so these are arrested criminals and yet old PC Ploddy or whatever his name is just accept the doc- accepts the doctor's story at face value and says oh right yeah drop me off at the of local train station where you can make a quick getaway um He's, he's still wearing. They're still wearing their period costumes. Oh, the TARDIS is gone. Da, da 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 da. God, he doesn't even seem that bothered. The TARDIS is gone. You know. God, I know the scripting isn't that great, but God, get a grip, doctor. <laughs> So here they are now at the police station. And the heavens have opened. I, I suppose we could assume that it. it's a it's a rainy June day. <laughs> this guy. Um, strike me Pete bloke. Um, I think he's called Andrew Terrell. I think he was in... Um, I think he was in an episode of Only Fools and Horses as well. I spot the common denominator, Only Fools and Horses. And of course, he's got the TARDIS key. No good? <laughs> yeah, never mind, you know. Oh, let's let's involve your authorities. Nah, it wouldn't do any good, would it? Yes, Baba! Yeah, bit of a mummy's boy, isn't he? Oh, they found the TARDIS. Good. How do they move it there? I can picture about, you know, a dozen Bobbies, you know, sort of taking the TARDIS from the... Um, from the uh, from the state from the railway station to the police station sort of you know kind of huffing and puffing as they walk along the street with his with this great big TARDIS between them. Oh, hold oh it, there he goes. Probably the Tony's about to buy it, but not before he's hidden the key. They, they don't seem bothered with <laughs> a futuristic spacecraft, I mean, they're just like, oh, quite unbelievable. It's like, you know, they've just entered some, you know, fantastic museum or something, you know. That's nothing to old, um, the Andrew Terrell character. who will come in in a minute. Meanwhile, George is about to do some, uh, some arson. Bit of good old-fashioned arson there. Don't try this at home, kids. If you're locked in your room without your tea... You being a naughty boy or girl, don't stuff paper and then get a spare match and set fire to it. Why doesn't he just even de- materialize Strike me pink. <laughs> Strike me pink. Oh, dear, oh, what, I, I genuinely can't think of anything witty to say about that. Do I ever? <laughs> how could you? Oh, how could you? Yeah, Sarah Sutton definitely got the raw end of the deal, when you know because Janet Fielding played two Tegans in Kinder, but in this one, you know, she just tends to, as Anne, she just kind of tends to whimper and blub and sob her way through the whole thing. Oh, God, she's still blubbing. <laughs> Inspiration for Ian or I suppose. God, that's quite a heavy old style, isn't it? Yeah, this this is Gareth Milne, who's the stuntman, and he would double for uh, Peter Davison's Doctrine of regular Ases. I mean, hats off to... Stuntman. I mean you know God. Must be easier ways of earning your pain than jumping through a burning fire. So we're all kind of sort of uh crawling towards the climax, you know, for want of a better word. Well go after it then. <laughs> it's all very kind of <laughs> It's it's like one of those like generation game skits, isn't it? You know, where they used to put on the dodgy play at the end. Um it's it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Oh, bit of ab-say. Yeah, because of course um Gareth Milne plays um the Michael Cochrane character as well, isn't he? When he uh, when he climbs up the uh, the drain pipe, he should have got you know double or triple pay, you know, bonus pay at least for when he does the fall, which uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, why didn't he do that the first time? Yeah, here he goes. Yeah, save the heroics for the next story, Adric. Exposition time, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an oddity in a couple of ways, Black Hawk, Because you've got um, it's the first two parter since uh, Sontaran experiment, first pure historical since uh, Highlanders. Actually, um, two parts would actually, you know, they do two parts every season, you know, they do the King's Demons. I think the the most successful, I think, is the Awakening. It's a story which actually doesn't feel like you know it's kind of killing time between you know more important stories. You know, I, I think traditionally, you know, it's uh, it's it's just a way of you know kind of marking time before you know the big big event. Because uh, King's Demons, it was meant to be before Resurrection of the Daleks, but that was kind of put back to fourth in the next season because of various uh strikes and complications and things going on and um yeah the awakening was before you know um, know, frontiers you know more traditional monster story but of course these days you know it's it's part of the course you know you get you get a 45 minute story which is the average Length of time for for a current Doctor Who episode, which unfortunately I, I don't think works, because you are trying to cram all that action into 40 minutes. You know, take away the titles and the uh, opening and closing of the next time trailer, you've really only got about 40 odd minutes to work with. On a on a bad day, maybe maybe even 35, which is just not adequate time to actually tell a good coherent story. So it just ends up feeling a bit rushed. Yeah, nice one. Just give him a big hug on, you know, which he doesn't know about. Oof. Yeah, Gareth Milne actually hurt himself quite badly, apparently, because he uh, he missed the boxes and uh and hurt himself. Oh that landing sounded really bad. Oh, poor old George. Yeah, I like the look of the doctor gives uh, the Michael Cochrane character. Yeah, it's all your fault, isn't it, you fool. <laughs> so the doctrine code stayed on for the funeral which is bizarre not as bizarre as tegan just gleefully waving the cardboard the great big box you know at, um, the crannies who just lost george you know oh can we keep this yay oh never mind yeah george has just croaked it never mind and he gets to keep the black orchid book which will treasure in days to come so that was the end of Black Orchid. Um, yeah, it's it's not one of the best uh, Doctor Who stories. It's not one of my all time favourites. But you know, as like I said, as a diversion, you know, it, it works reasonably well, and um, you know, there, there are positives to take away from it. You know, it looks good. The designs design is very good. The costumes are excellent. Um, uh, Peter Davison and Coa, you know. Peter Davison especially is always very good. And Sarah Sutton is very good, actually. She does her best with a, a pretty thankless task. And, you know, despite the dodgy acting, you've, you've got cal- actors of the caliber of Maury Watson and Barbara Murray and Michael Cochrane to actually do their level best with it, even though they clearly deserved a lot better. So it's uh, all doom and gloom for the TARDIS crews. They embark on Earthshock which I'm sure I'll uh, I'll tackle another time. But in the meantime, this is me, John Bensali, saying thank you for listening and hope to be with you again soon. Bye for now.